Hello, and welcome to the Disability Connection. I'm your host, Walter Nunes. The Disability Connection is sponsored by the Disability Law Center, which is the protection and advocacy system for the Commonwealth. And it's a law office available to help persons on a variety of civil issues um, for folks with disabilities. Uh, we can be reached at 617-723-8455 uh, or toll free at 800-872-9992. We're located in Boston at 11 Beacon Street. Today we're really happy to have as our guest the Executive Director for the Disability Law Center, Marlene Salo. Marlene, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And we're going to talk about a pretty important thing that affects persons with disabilities, but pretty much everybody in the United States of America. That is true. And that is this, the upcoming census. So let's just talk about why the census is important. Most definitely. So the census is important for every single uh, resident of the Commonwealth. The reason why is that the census is used to provide us with accurate representation in Congress but it is also used to in identify the funding that we can receive from the federal government for programs that directly affect people with disabilities. For instance, it could be grants for special education programs. Uh, it could be Title I uh, funding. It could be uh, funding for public housing for people with disabilities. And so it's important to know how many individuals we have living within the Commonwealth, especially within all the communities, specifically the hard-to-count communities, uh -huh. and hard-to-count communities actually includes communities of people with disabilities. Um, well, that's fantastic, and, and I think that the point that you're making, which is so important that services that people receive as, as the population ages, for example, that the census will help track those changing demographics. Correct. New children, which would mean need for schools, and then the subsets of different disabilities. Is that correct? That is correct, including public assistance. So one of the things that we've discovered in looking at the information from prior census um, data is that families sometimes forget that their children, five and younger, need to be counted. And That's it's important, really important to count them. So uh, we need to make sure that every child is counted. I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want to throw any curveballs, but should any persons, let's say persons who are not documented, should people be afraid of the census for any reason or participating? So it has been indicated as a result of uh, court cases that the citizenship question will not be asked as part of the census uh, for this 2020. So they should not be concerned. There's also an additional area of protection, and that is that any individual that will be hired to be a census surveyor or enumerator. Gotta love that word. <laughs> yes. Is bound by confidentiality uh, agreement. And so whatever information, if you end up being a census taker, you learn during that process you have to take that information to your grave. You are not allowed to ever release the information that you learn. And we feel pretty confident that persons who might be hesitant, we see it all the time in the work we do where people kind of shy away from right. accepting services because they don't want it to cause them trouble. But this is an important uh, way for them to be counted literally, and, but also so their needs to be identified. That is true. So that's fantastic. 
So, and how often is the, they take the census? So the census is done every 10 years, and it's actually, actually constitutionally required. So our constitution requires that the census happen. So the last one was in 2010, and now this year it's 2020 on April 1st. So that is the actual day of the census. Um, and so it's important to keep that date in mind because when you receive the survey, the survey will ask you who is, who is in your residence in this address that the census is being delivered to on April 1st. And I want to make sure we get to everything you want to talk about because this is so important. But this could affect the number of U.S. representatives there is in a given state. Is that, that correct? That is accurate. The numbers are used to determine how many U.S. reps we get. Wow, that's amazing. So it's a big deal, folks. And, uh, well, that's why we're here, to encourage you to participate. So on a practical matter, how does the census roll out? How does it happen? So on March 12th, uh, residences across the Commonwealth will receive a note card, um, and that's when it's going to start being sent out, reminding everybody um, that the census is taking place on April 1st. On average, um, every, every household that receives the, um, the card will have the ability, as a, the card is your reminder for this, uh, the census, will have the ability to respond to the census in one of three ways. Um, you can do it online. So 95% of the households will receive a letter that gives them the link to go online and actually do the census online. You can also do it telephonically. So there will be a phone number that you can call um, to do the census by phone. Or you can do a paper census um, that you can fill out, and you can do that at home, or you can try to locate a community center or some other community um, establishment that will have computers set up for you to uh, conduct the census online in their uh, place of establishment. For instance, the libraries will become centers that you can go and get information about the census, but also get assistance for it. But in Massachusetts, it's the Secretary of State. That's the office that is responsible for the rollout of the census in Mass. Is that, that is correct? correct. The, census, the Secretary of State is responsible for the census rollout for the state, and they have a phenomenal website that you can go on there. Oops. And we're going to ask you to post that. We have a tag here for the, uh, there we go, for this, well, almost, the Secretary of State. Uh, and we also have a tag regarding if folks have a, they need a, a, a TTY or they need a different way to communicate? Yes. There's a national number? There is also a national number if you have questions about the U.S. Census in general that you can go to um, and you can call them if you need uh, TTY or TDD services. Uh, separate and apart, the, the Massachusetts Census website um, will also have information uh, in Spanish if you need to access it as well as other languages. What is important to understand is that if you need or wish to complete the census by phone, uh -huh. there are 13 available languages automatically where you would call a number if you wish to speak to someone in English. Call another number if you wish to speak to them in Spanish. Um, and if you give me a moment, then I can give you all 13 you all languages. Um, so I do know that it's uh, Chinese, Vietnamese, Russian, Tagalog, English, Spanish, French, Haitian Creole, Korean, Arabic, Japanese, Portuguese, 
Vietnamese and um, and I think and really? Polish and Polish. Well, that was pretty impressive. I don't <laughs> think I could have done that on a bet. Um, this is really important, and and so, I'd like to add one other thing. My course. apologies. In addition to those thirteen languages, documents will be available in Braille with the videos on on their website. Um, showing individuals um, that need American Sign Language instructions on how to fill out the actual census. There are also guides that will be issued uh, mm -hmm. showing you how to fill out the census, which will include Braille, large print, as well as in multiple languages, um, as well for individuals that speak a different language. And again, that's, that was quite a lot of information, so contact the Secretary of State or to go get to additional their, yeah. information. And there are also, uh, we call them questionnaire assistance centers, right? If people have difficulty filling out the yes. census. So the, the Commonwealth is currently establishing questionnaire assistance centers. Um, hopefully, we'll have sufficient uh, QACs across the state that will allow individuals that need a little bit of help uh, to actually go to one of those QACs and fill out their census there. Um, it's important to reach out to uh, individuals in your community and also raise awareness on your own about the upcoming census. Not everyone will have access to the information um, that there is a website that's available or that you can go to the U.S. Census website in addition to the Massachusetts website. So if you're watching this video um, and you are aware of this information, please feel free to share it with everyone. There will be um, opportunities across the Commonwealth to attend public events in the coming 50 days leading up to April 1st. Um, there will be events in several communities throughout the Commonwealth. The library is going to be doing events. The schools are going to be doing a census, census activities in the month of March uh, with their students to raise awareness uh, among the students about the upcoming census as well. And again, all of this information is on the Secretary of State's website. So I'm going to ask the producers who are out there if you want to just pop that up periodically through the show, that would be fantastic. So persons who didn't get it the first time, they can get it this time. Thanks, that's terrific. So I have a question. The residents, the, the, the census talks about who lives in your house, Correct. right? And is it the head of household who fills out the census or is it done by more than one person? Could it's, be? It should be one person at that address and they are to list each individual at that address that normally sleeps and lives there. So, uh, so and then you're looking at effective cool. on April 1st. So here's a good example. Normally oh, your, your child would live there, but now all of a sudden your child is a freshman in college and mm -hmm. they've moved away to school. If they live on an on or off campus apartment or if they live in the dorm, then your child will be counted at their school address and not in the household address. If you give birth on April 1st, then the child that you gave birth to on April 1st should be counted as Absolutely. part of the census. And if I may, I'd you like may. to let everyone know that the information that's going to be gathered on the census is the name of each individual that normally lives and resides in the household, the date of birth, the race and ethnicity of the individual, and the relationship to the person who's actually filling it out on behalf of everyone. That's wonderful. So if, the, if you're an empty nester, and your children have gone off to Boston University or any school, uh, they will be counted at the dormitory or where they live. But how about we flip that on its head for a minute? What if you have Uncle Sadie or Uncle Sally living with you, uh, even for a month or several weekends? How does, where does the cutoff from visitor 
to resident. When does a visitor become a resident? So the census uses a term normally reside or who reside there the longest period of time. So you would have to take a look at that. Um, where do they get their mail? Where are they paying rent? Even if he's on your couch, you know, on the weekends, if Monday through Friday they're at a different location, then that's pretty much their primary residence. What we need to keep in mind um, is that for uh, young men and women with disabilities who reside in a residential facility, mm -hmm. that facility will be counting the young uh, men and women living in that uh, school residential facility. Well, you are doing such a fantastic job. I feel like I could just leave any moment, but I mean that in a very positive way. But speaking about, there are different ways to not live with your family or Correct. your normal residence. In addition to going off to school, there are persons who might live in a skilled nursing facility, mm -hmm. a psychiatric hospital, prison, residential schools. H how does that work? So if you're in a skilled nursing facility for a short period of time due to rehabilitation purposes as a result of a surgery or an illness, that would not be your normal residence and you mm -hmm. would count it based on your home address. Mm -hmm. But if you're actually living in an assisted living facility, a prison, uh, a jail, uh, you know, you're serving a sentence even in a juvenile justice facility, then you'll be counted by that facility. If you're homeless, Enumerators will be going out into the community starting um, on March 12th, but from March 30th to April 1st, we will have enumerators in the community visiting the homeless shelters or any other area uh, in the community where folks who don't have a permanent residence may be residing at to have conversations about the upcoming census and to make sure that everyone will be counted. So how does it work? Uh, in, in living environments that, let's say, are a little bit more restrictive? How does it work in the prison system? How, does, how do they count right. folks there? So that is uh, what they call uh, quarter living facilities. Um, and the administrator of that facility is responsible for doing the counting of the residents in the facility. So the administrator will have <coughs> the opportunity to provide information about how many folks are currently um, in these uh, facilities and then provide that information um, onto the Census Bureau. This is probably more of a curiosity than a practical question, but does an administrator or prisoner just already have that information or do the individuals who are incarcerated actually participate themselves? So the only time where we foresee um, individuals in a facility actually providing information to the, to the administrator would be in a very small facility. But in larger facilities, yes, the, the manager or the administrator already has the information that's needed. And so the census will reach out to them, give them a heads up that the census is coming and then they have to gather the requisite I, The reason I smiled is because they have a census of who's in their facility. This is true. Huh? This is true. So now we know where we got the word from, right? Yeah. Um, this is really good. So talk to me a little bit more, you know, we see in the work we do, they're really the, the extraordinary numbers of people who are homeless. Um, and maybe this isn't a problem, but if you're homeless, you might, you might be in one place in the evening, and you might be in a different place during the day. Maybe this isn't a danger, but is there a danger of overcounting or counting somebody twice, or how does, how does that work? Um, no, we have not been advised of that. They've even said in some particular instances, if you're part of a group residence and you fear that you may not have been counted by your group residence administrator, 
that you have the ability to go into the system and fill out the entire um, survey questionnaire on your own individually and then the computer system will reconcile because remember we're providing the name date of birth uh, race ethnicity and gender as part of the data that's being collected so you can't have repetition because that information will already be in the system and the system will kick it out. The, right. the, the, I think what's important to understand is that because we do have some transient population within the Commonwealth, um, the enumerators will be out on the streets trying to identify uh, and speak to and communicate with individuals that, may be, that are homeless and may not have a place to seek shelter at, and they will also be going to homeless shelters and speaking to them there. So let's talk about the training of the enumerators. Uh, I was recently at a, um, at a training that talked about uh, placing women, not placing, but women who are victims of domestic violence, being able to essentially go off the grid. The name of it is escaping me now, but it's like, it's a protection system. So when persons, you use the word fear, and that's what caught mm -hmm. my ear. If people of various populations, whether they're undocumented or women who are victims of domestic violence, they should not be afraid of, 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 of uh, providing this information because it is confidential. Yes, it is. But are the enumerators themselves trained in trying to be sensitive to these issues, or are you aware of it? I'm just just struck me. I'm not aware of the specific training that the enumerators will be receiving. That training is actually taking place um, in April, like the, uh, the first week of April for some folks and even before then. So it depends on how many folks they've hired and the rolling basis for the training. What I will say is the following. Um, if you are living in a domestic violence shelter, that is a group living facility, and so chances are the administrator there will be providing the information rather than having the fear that someone's going to walk in and speak to the women and their family members um, face to face. So this, um, I just want to uh, let you know, we have about five minutes left of the show, which is really quite a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to make sure that there's things that we uh, touched on. One of the things that I know, which now that I've learned how to articulate the word enumerator, that there is a need for enumerators or persons who actually go out and take the sentence. Sentence. Yes. Census. <laughs> I can say enumerator, but I couldn't say census, right? Yes, there is a need for enumerators. At the present time, um, Massachusetts is seeking about 56,000 enumerators for the entire Commonwealth. Um, as of this morning, there are about 60% of uh, 56,000 have been hired, so they're really asking individuals to please uh, apply to become an enumerator, and the Secretary of State's website actually has a link that will take you directly to um, the webpage that will allow you to apply for that position. And we're not going to talk about dollars, no. mm -hmm. but these are paid positions. They are paid positions, and they will be part-time positions, and whomever um, is hired to be an enumerator has the ability to do the work during the day, in the evenings, and even on weekends. Oh, so persons who might have another full-time job, they could do it as a part-time job. Yes, and they haven't yet started to identify the enumerators that they need that are bilingual, um, but that will also be another round of hiring where they're trying to hire folks who have um, the same home language as the needs of the communities where they will be going to. And it's also important to keep in mind that if you do want to do 
um, fill out the census survey in person and you require an ASL interpreter, they will also have enumerators that can be ASL interpreters. And we did have a, have a uh, tag about persons who need to get information. There is a, a hotline for persons who have disabilities and they need help communicating over the phone. That's right. And that's the national census number. That is the national census number. They have a TTYTDD um, number that you Which can Which we have call. up on the, excuse me, mm -hmm. we have right up on the screen now. So as we kind of start to wind down, first of all, is there anything that I missed in this that we really need to want to get out to folks? No, but um, then not that you missed, but something that I want to bring home um, is how important it is for um, people with disabilities to understand that the survey will help them receive the services that they need because we will have an accurate count in order to get the federal funding. Um, it's, I'd like to highlight the fact that there are currently, as of 2017, with the data that we've collected in the Commonwealth, 22.9% of adults in Massachusetts are considered to be adults with a disability. And so imagine that. That's just the adults. And we're not even including in that uh, and, the number of children. And, and that would, knowing that number, knowing that essentially just under a third of the population of adults, that's going to impact things like, I don't know, access on the T. I'm just kind of riffing here, but this, this underscores that there's a growing population of, of folks who will, uh, accessible housing, things of that nature. Is that fair right. to it's say? It's like the grants and the funding that you might get it for public housing and education services. Um, so that's where the money is going to come from. Right. Because if we have an accurate count, then we can get an accurate portion of the money. And we might end up with more representatives. Exactly. To do a better job on the national front. Exactly. And uh, we're going to wind up here, but I think folks, all of you out there in TV land, as we like to call it, you could speak to your friends and neighbors about the importance of this and how it's not just an annoyance. It's not just, oh, they're asking me this information. Okay. This will directly affect people's lives. Right, all across the Commonwealth, um, it's, it's important to raise awareness among your friends how important the census is, and uh, feel free to even contact the Disability Law Center mm -hmm. if you have a particular question about accessibility or even um, are you eligible to get an accommodation as you're filling out the census, and um, you can just call our office at 617-723-8455, and we will also be updating our website, and we'll have a section on the Disability Law Center website that uh, will provide you with updated information on the census as well. And that's www.dlc-ma.org. Um, you've been terrific. I think you Thank did a you. wonderful job. Um, I want you to know that this program will be rebroadcast on this station, but in addition, uh, the Disability Law Center will be posting it on YouTube and Vimeo and on our Facebook page, podcast, so that this information is out there. Uh, we greatly appreciate your being on the program. I think this is an extremely important topic, and thank you, thank you so much. To all you folks, be well.